0: Rum fans and welcome back to the Rumcast. We are the podcast that talks all things rum related with the people who love and shape it. We do have a great interview episode lined up today with Herbert Barbencourtling of Providence Rum in Haiti and learning a lot about Haitian rum and more about Clarin, but Before we move into that, let's check in with uh, co-host Will Hookinga in Tennessee. Will, we just dodged another hurricane here in Miami. Uh, How's everything up there for you?
1: Yeah, I was sweating bullets up here for you down there. I'm glad to hear everything came through okay. I'm doing well up here. You know, I don't know if you have experienced this phenomenon. You probably have because we share an email address for the show, but we've been getting so many messages uh which i love to see over the past maybe week or so but a lot of them have been from people who were enjoying the barbados rum experience down there in barbados Um, we've talked about this on on the show with richard Steele before i think in our last interview basically it's like a uh, it's like a rum lover's dream vacation, where like you go to Barbados and get to tour like all the distilleries and do yeah. all these great events and stuff. And With we've been getting cool so many pictures people. and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and stories and stuff. And it was really making me uh, regret missing out on that. But the FOMO was, was
0: strong. Yeah, the FOMO was strong. Yeah. But
1: there was there was one email in particular that I wanted to shout out here uh, at the top uh, from Rumcast listener Christopher who made it down there, he, he sent us a picture, and it was just a lineup of all of the Vellier Foursquare releases. I think it's all of them. Um, there, there might be a few missing in there, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Destino, Triptych, Patrimonio, Plinipotentiario, yeah. uh, Principia, Sassafras, 2006. like you're casting
0: a spell on me. I know, yeah. <laughs> <It
1: does. laughs> they, they all kind of roll off the tongue there uh, when you list them like that. But it's all, like so many of those great Vellier Foursquare releases... And there were only four words in the email that said, when this, and then there was the picture, and then Uh it said, becomes this. And there was a video attached to it. So I play the video, and it's uh, presumably Christopher in the video, at a tasting where there are, you know, little sample pours of all of these, these great uh, sought-after, highly, you know, collectible releases at this point. Yeah. And, you know, I'm expecting them to just be tasted one at a time. And then all of a sudden, he just starts dumping them all into the same glass. Making, like a madman. <laughs> ma- yeah, making his own... Vellier, Foursquare, blend, like blend to end all blends. Yeah, and I was at once I, I I felt not I felt less alone in the world at that moment because listeners may recall that several months ago, I think it was at the beginning of this year, I lucked my way into getting samples of all of the Foursquare ECS releases ever. So all the releases that have come from the distillery that are you know more familiar and and more gettable for our American listeners out there. I'd had most of them but had not had all of them. And anyway, I ended up taking a half ounce of each of those ounce and a half samples and making my own ECS blend to end all ECS blends. And so I was at once like, wow, I I feel less alone in the universe. Someone else out there was, you know, weird and crazy enough to do this. I I remember I reached out to you. I was like, should I do this? Am I slapping? the rum gods and Richard seal in the face. If I do this, you know, I I felt uneasy about it, but seeing this happen, I feel like I made the right call. And, um, yeah, I just, when I saw that, I was like, you know, my my kind of people are, are are down there at the the bre right now i've got to get there one of these years i don't
0: know man i don't know i might i don't I'm, i don't think i would have chosen to do that uh, I, I just i feel like I, <laughs> maybe it, we
1: should we should hear from from the listeners out there are are, are, are you are you yay or nay on, or nay. on, on this yeah. this this uh this blending super experience blended. yeah super yeah. blend but um, yeah, so that's just been on my mind. But yeah, shout out to everyone who was able to make it to the Barbados Rub Experience. Heard a lot of great stories about that over the yeah. year. Um, not over the year, but just over the past week. But anyway, with, with that said, how, how are you doing, John?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Like I said, we had uh, Hurricane Nicole that just passed north of us. I know it's affecting a lot of people on the coastline of Florida now. Probably still even some people in Florida and Georgia at this moment um, as we're recording. But, uh, you know, what came to mind was I was able to head up to St. Augustine recently. That's right. And I know they're getting affected right now. I saw some of the flooding in that area. But I went to a very special place. A very uh, special place. That I finally, I've heard about this place. From mm-hmm. many people in the Florida Rum Society and in mm-hmm. general rum people, that it's fantastic if you're a rum person, and it is boat drinks. So yes. the the bar. I've heard that it's fantastic yeah. as well. Let me tell you what. Oh my goodness, was this fantastic! And I can't believe it took me this long to get there. And you're boat not even a
1: cocktail was, guy.
0: I'm not, and I actually only had neat stuff when I was there because there, there is a, uh, you know. 200, 400, I don't know. Some uh, there's first of all there's two bars. There's one upstairs and one downstairs with identical rum selections, which was like, oh, oh my wow. goodness, craziness, uh, awesome. And uh, Rob Crabtree, the owner, also I think a listener of the podcast. He he was very uh, very accommodating and and you know showed me what he had there. And they I mean they do have fantastic cocktails and food as well. Mm-hmm. But you know I was there for the rum of course right. and yeah. and uh, wanted to get uh, some of those. Looking at that huge selection that I had never tried before, so so what really. Were you able really Mark off your list there. So, the first one I tried was a Worthy Park uh, Madeira finish, Mm -hmm. and uh, that one was fantastic as Worthy Park is. But uh, I'll say the ones that really kind of lingered in my mind a little bit more there was an El Dorado, the Cask Strength series that he had there, yeah, um, which is newer newer ones, yes. And so I hadn't seen those yet. So I tried the Versailles at Rob's recommendation of uh, Mm -hmm. that one being fantastic. I'm sure they're all good. And he was right. That one was, oh, was so good. I've never had a cast strength from Eldorado before mm-hmm. from from uh, DDL. And, uh, like directly
1: made, from the from, r- from the brand,
0: yeah. Right, directly from the brand, because I think I've had some of the Hamilton single casts. Right. But uh, yeah, it was really, really good, and uh, really, you know, just enjoyed it so much. But that's not even the one that stuck out to me the most. Oh, yeah? Yes. One that even stuck out that I was just floored by was the St. Lucia Old Hamilton 9-year Oh, that's uh,
1: right! You were able to, the, you know, the 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 mythical, sought after Hamilton St. Lucia's felt like a holy wants. grail.
0: Yes, yeah, for good reason. Will, let me tell you, because I've had some really good St. Lucia rums. There's not a shortage of them around, of course. Yeah. You know, you can get some St. Lucia rums nowadays, but this cask strength nine year Hamilton was the best St. Lucia rum that has ever touched my lips. Yeah, those are amazing. Far mm-hmm. none.
1: I've had yes. I've had samples of all those Hamiltons, but I'm, I'm so annoyed that I, you know, I see people all the time who just like happen upon them still somehow out in the wild. Like a Dusty? Yeah, and I've, I've never seen one in a store before. So, yeah, I'm um, yeah, feeling feeling pretty jealous about that.
0: Very early on in my rum journey, I went to a place here in Miami locally that had one and I did not buy it wow. because I didn't know any better yet. And if you had a time course, machine, yeah, go back and yeah. slap yourself in the face. Yes. But thank you. Thanks to Rob so much for uh, for that experience and for uh, having that at the bar. Because, I mean, hey, there's still some there. If you want to go there and check it out after uh, the, the the hurricane does its thing here and, and the water dies down a little bit, I'm sure he would appreciate it. And if you're uh, a rum lover and you're ever in St. Augustine, it's it's definitely a place to visit. So I know I will if I'm ever in St. Augustine. For
1: now, though, my mind is on Haiti, um, the place you mentioned at the top of the show. Our interview on this episode, as you said, uh, with Herber, Barb, and he is uh, wearer of many, many hats <laughs> down there. Uh, so, I think the one of the main reasons we wanted to talk to Herbert was to learn more about Providence Rum, which is the the rum that's made at Distillery de Port au Prince in Haiti. It's one of the newer distilleries in the Caribbean. It was built in 2018 in collaboration with La Maison and Bellier, which is kind of another interesting angle here and something we talked a lot about with Herbert because his relationship with La well, Maison goes back before the Providence Project. Um, he has been helping out with the Spirit of Haiti, which was the company created to bring all of these lovely clarens that we've been seeing over the past mm-hmm. few years uh, to places outside of Haiti, you know, going and finding individual producers like uh, Michel Sajuz and Casimir Vaval, uh, people like that, and bringing those, those great clarens to market. So, Herbert, his side of things, they basically handle like bottling and logistics and stuff like that uh, in partnership with La Maison and Vellier on the spirit of haiti so we talked a lot about clarin as well and just kind of like backstory of it as a category what it's been like to work with those individual distillers and you know see this spirit that was highly highly localized go to so many new places around the world and kind of open people's eyes to this this new uh, category of, of rum, so to speak, I mean, new mm-hmm. to us. Not you know, it's been there for a really long time. So we talk a whole lot about the the backstory of Claren and everything, you know, on top of what they're up to at Providence. I think listeners may be familiar with the the two releases they've done so far, which was Providence First Drops and Providence Dunder and Syrup Two unreal uh, unaged releases that uh you know definitely saw uh widespread reactions to all around the rum world and you know they have really exciting things in store as well in terms of aging and, and stuff like that so talked a lot about that also touched like his his family also has another company that uh produces yeah. a, a rum brand called rum la bay so we talked about that as well And just, yeah, all things Haiti, really, really interesting conversation. And yeah, so I'm excited for people to hear it and learn more about what's going on down there.
0: Yeah. Why don't we just uh, jump right into it? We'll take a quick break uh, and hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back with our bear. Hey, Rumcasters. This episode of the show is sponsored by Down Island Spirits a brand-new independent rum bottler that has just launched the first releases in its single-cask rum series in the U.S. The founders of Down Island Spirits started the brand to solve a problem many rum enthusiasts are all too familiar with. So many of the incredible rums they experienced while traveling the Caribbean for decades were sadly not available back home. Down Island's single-cask rum series aims to change that. The first four releases include everything from a 20-year-old 100% pot still rum distilled at Foursquare Distillery in Barbados to big, bold rums distilled at some of our favorite Jamaican distilleries. And they're all cask-strength and free of additives. You can check out and order these special releases now at downislandspirits.com. Again, that's downislandspirits.com to order yours now. Oh, and while you're doing that, don't forget to follow them on Instagram and Facebook, too. Now back to the show.
1: We are here with Herbert Barbancourt-Lingay, who is running things. Uh, I, I, Herbert, I found it hard to actually like condense everything you do down into a title. I was looking back at kind, kind of a, a QA and a that was posted with you a couple of years back, and it, there was a, a section of it that says, what he does. And it <laughs> says that you oversee administration, production, sales, distribution, for burling rum spirit of haiti and distillery de port-au-prince which is where providence rum is made and on top of that you're also distilling so like the first thing i wanted to ask is just what did you do today <laughs> out of all of those tasks? Because, wait what didn't you do yeah what, what didn't, didn't you do maybe that'll <laughs> I mean, be
0: easier that maybe <laughs>
1: but yeah like what what's been keeping you busy today what does a typical day look like for you wearing all of those hats
2: Well, a typical day for me uh, starts, you know, with uh, we work a lot with Europe also, Mm. so with the different time zones. So the first thing is catch up on emails that are related to Europe. So I have until 12 to take care of that, more or less, because Uh, it's around 6 p.m. around Mm. that time with the time difference.
1: It makes me feel so better me about, my, about my boring days. You also start the day by catching up on email. So now,
0: now I don't feel as bad. Yeah, but his emails are about rum. So that's, that's definitely true. better than Some ours. Some of my yeah. emails are about rum. So. It's,
2: I mean, you have to go through that process in order to plan properly, you know? Because right. it's, I mean, people don't understand sometimes what goes into producing a, a rum or mm-hmm. any product, actually, you know? requires a lot of planification, Uh, especially now with with the COVID that we went through. uh, It makes it even harder now. For example, if I'm planning um, purchasing for bottles, Mm -hmm. I have to plan a year in advance, whereas before it should have Mm been three four months. Uh, With the supply chain, you have to plan a year in advance. So it makes it a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially that we have so many SKUs, different products, we work with different, uh, different clients, different projects. So it's, you can't plan it at once, you know, so you have to plan it separately, everyone, mm-hmm. each project differently. So it makes it challenging, so that's why you have to be on top of it and... But try to make it as smooth as possible in order to to keep the rum flowing
1: <laughs> yeah that's the that's the important thing here on the rum cast keeping the rum <laughs> yeah. flowing but yeah. speaking yeah. Of, of bottles i did want to i know you do many different types of bottles um, you know we're gonna i listed a bunch of different things there at the top that we're going to talk about but uh the providence bottles there's something about this bottle shape and like the way it feels in my hand it's like the perfect circumference for a bottle which is such a nerdy thing to point out but yeah yeah, i just i every time i pick up that bottle i just kind of smile a little bit because it like just the the feel of it is great so excellent work on on that on that one
2: thank you but it is definitely an important part of you know especially a product that is being consumed especially in cocktails you know you have you don't think about it. Sometimes you right. might have a beautiful bottle. It might not be the most comfortable, right. but it does have an impact. After talking to a lot of bartenders, uh, my brother's uh, is a pretty good one, I would say. Mm. And there is, there is this reflex of going, you know, it's like a, and you don't pay attention to it, but it's there, you know, it's like yeah. everything you do, the more comfortable it is, the more, the, the easier it is. And you tend to go toward that. Mm-hmm. Right. What's easier for you to, to, to work, you know, facilitate your work. So I think it has an importance, the, the bottle, the shape and the look, um, obviously we try to, as you can see, if you try to go not too fancy, but simple, or we're, we're about showcasing what's inside the bottle, not outside the bottle. Right. But also the bottle gives you a story, you know, yeah. if you don't another product, you have to, you need a bit of story in order to, to get the person to purchase the bottle. So it, it is important uh, at a certain point.
1: Yeah. I mean, as, as much as we like to think the, the rum is the most important thing, John, John and I talk all the time about, you know, the importance of bottles and, and we have yeah. different opinions on like types of no, and labels we like and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, yeah, I know a ton of work goes into that.
2: To be honest, sometimes it's the most challenging part, the mm. packaging, you know, yeah. deciding the name, deciding what look to go at day Because when you're working with a product, uh, sometimes the type of label, the type of the name, even the name yeah. can dictate a bit the direction you want to go with the bottle. So sure. most of the project we had, I realized that it's sometimes harder <laughs> to finalize and to, to especially when you have different people you know um
0: yeah opinions that yeah. needs
2: to get yeah, different opinions to finalize or to to bring everyone together and say okay this is where we're going it's yeah. even challenging because when you have a product when it's good and everyone's facing it i mean it's a lot easier to go three of three four people you know with the same opinion about a, a product it's good whereas the i think for the packaging it's more everyone has their own you know right you have their own input it goes, right. you know,
1: I mean, so. yeah, like taste is a subjective thing, but if you're, you yeah. know, creating a rum with a bunch of rum people, I feel like it yeah. can be easier to arrive at something everyone thinks is good. Whereas when it comes to label design, you know, you have a huge variance of opinions, I feel like, mm-hmm. on of that. Of course. So.
2: Everyone wants to have little touch also on the, yeah, the, yeah. On, the, on the packaging, because at the end of the day, that's what sells also is the packaging at, right. at, at the first glance. If you don't know the product, if you haven't heard about the product, you know, you go toward the packaging, what's the, what is, how is the packaging talking to you, you know? So I think it has, it's, it's, it's pretty important, obviously, um, I represent the product.
0: So, you mentioned earlier about the story, and of course, Providence Rum has a good story. And I know you started with La Maison and Velier and, and Distillery Port au Prince back in 2018. And I was just wanted to ask you how much input did the people from La Maison and Velier have in how things began and how things are going now?
2: Well, um, to give you an idea of how it all started, uh, I'm going back a little bit.
1: Yeah, feel free so, to go, go all the way back to the BS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: I mean, I'm going back enough to give you an idea of where yeah. the relationship with Luca first started and then Thierry from La and so So uh, in the early 90s, Luca Gargano had contacted my father uh, regarding yeah. ROM. He wanted, he was always interested um, in Haitian ROM. As you know already, he's a passionate for, for all rums, And then it never happened actually, because yeah. Haiti went through, issues in the early 90s with the embargo and then mm. he had uh, the president that was exiled i seen in uh, 93 94.
0: so you were like five then right or, or not even born maybe
2: no i was no i was i was there i was president and i i lived oh, okay. it you know i was i was yeah I'm forty years old, so not that young. <laughs> uh, you know,
0: I was saying you look good for your age, so you know, past <laughs> past for thirty. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, but I I remember clearly. I mean, obviously, I was in primary school, or it's pretty young, but I still have a good idea of. Oh, of,
0: of course, yeah, you
2: know the life that was happening at the time. But I never, obviously, I, never, I at the time I wasn't aware of it. So sure. um, when I joined my father around 2007, 2008, obviously we were looking for partners for for Europe, uh, Italy, as you know, and France are the biggest mm-hmm. market for Europe. For for Rome. we were looking also for the US. So we were like scouting around looking for distributor. But um, it was they lost contact. And even they, I don't think he even remembered uh, the conversation he had at the end because it was almost twenty years before. Mm-hmm. And and this would so, have been for,
1: for Burling products, right? That was for Burling, Burling product, exactly. Right. Okay. Um, at so, the so, time
2: actually, the company was called at the time when they first met through telephone and fax at the time, it was called Barley. Okay. Uh, and then with embargo they they had closed and my father went solo, reopened the company uh, under the name Burling. Got with, it. Uh, the Villa B the rest of the products that came with the Mm. burning knickers and such. So after the, when we got into, so we never really found anyone to work with, um, that we felt were appropriate for the the products and that that would be promoting the product that we wanted. Mm. And after 2010, when we had the earthquake, Luca Gargano contacted us via email. Asking how we were, it's been a while, I yeah. hope you guys are doing well family and everything. So mm-hmm. that's how we got back in contact with him. And then this is where the relationship started really. Yeah. It all and starts with the
0: emails, he- you see? That's right, Ebert. That One email can change, <laughs> it can change anything. <laughs>
2: so she came to Haiti, out was a year after. He promised he would come to Haiti, that she wanted to come so many times. He tried so many times because he submitted the DR. And then he went to the DR, they discouraged him to come to Haiti. Hmm. So he finally came a year after. And then really, this is how it all started, the relationship. So at the beginning, we started with the Villa Biron and then this discovering. Uh, and no, see, obviously the had a lot of it, as a lot of people had a lot of questions about what was clear mm-hmm. because it's something that's really it's not export. It wasn't exported before. It was right. only consumed locally, many. So if you if you found claire, maybe if it was accessible somewhere else, it would be somebody bringing it to a family member or some mm-hmm. friend to friends from Haiti. So he went to the to, to discover what was claire. This how he, he found that it was this his new passion, basically, and this how the the idea of coming with uh, claire and a bottle and to be exported around the world uh, came about.
1: When he first kind of came to you with that idea of, you know, being so interested in the spirit that the rest of the world is very unfamiliar with and wanting to bring it to other places, was that, like, what did you think of, of that concept the first time you heard it? Like, did, was it surprising to you? Uh, was it something that you were expecting to eventually happen? Or like like, how did that strike you? Do you remember? I mean, it did surprise me that
2: there would be somebody, someone outside of Haiti interested, obviously, and in a product mm. that was raw, that wasn't. Because sometimes you have the perception that, especially for the export market, people are wanting to get something that is already clean cut, you know, mm. uh, this right. was like, it is worse, very yeah. raw at the time, you yeah. know, yeah. at the time. So. I mean, since no one did it before, I mean, I, I felt excited right away about mm-hmm. this project. I thought it was a very cool idea. But I was guessing at the beginning, I mean, the, the project in a way that would it be accepted, you know, because obviously, you have good clear and you have not so good clearance, So it depends where it's made. Yeah, like there's, there's a there's a them. variance between so obviously, yeah, have yeah. a variance obviously. Yeah. So uh, personally, we know clean air, this is something that you consume, especially for us in the mountains, where it's because we have, as you would not expect, but in Haiti you have the beach, obviously you have right. the mountains also because where we used to go it's about for on vacation it's about fifteen hundred meters, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. So it gets pretty, pretty cold, pretty yeah. cool uh, during a certain part of the year. Usually, in those areas, you tend to have people consuming claire. If you go to Saint-Michel, so Saint-Michel is also in a, in a certain altitude mm-hmm. to Plateau, but it's, it's pretty high up. It, it gets chilly at night, although during the day it gets hot, at night it gets pretty chilly. Um, so, all these areas, you tend to have people consuming uh, Claire.
1: Do you, do you remember your first introduction to Claire? Like your my first, first experience to Claire, with it,
2: yeah, it, I mean, we, obviously in, in Haiti, it's very much different, the consumption of alcohol than in the US. Mm. Claret is basically sold in bulk. So you have a store, you go with your, let's say, if, if I have my empty bottle, mm-hmm. I go and ask them to fill it up to a certain point and just pay for whatever amount that they, right,
1: right, they, yeah.
2: you give them fill it up for you. So, And then you have those small little, I don't call it the bar, but those little tables on the streets where they sell Mm -hmm. clean but Mm -hmm. it's called clean Cafe. So they add fruits or they have, they add, um, different barks or leaves. So this is where you really do your first experience as a, um, when you start drinking alcohol, Mm -hmm. so it's very accessible. It's everywhere. You find it everywhere in the streets. So it's very accessible. To be honest. Um, so this is where I really, uh, encountered Claire to start with. But the Claire was mostly for for me when I when I drank it, it was mostly in a crepe format. Okay. And uh, a white format because in general, when they sell it, this, they, they sell it uh, in a crepe format. And they sell it white. It's mostly in the drum people buy and then they mm-hmm. built their own drink, uh, product out of that raw right. uh, white product. It's so like this is
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, this exactly. is like um like the commercial version of this uh or like export commercial export would be like Balkman, right? It, more or
2: less, yeah. Okay. More or less, yeah. Yeah, that was my first this well that was when we were first in the streets, mm-hmm. drinking with friends and then grabbing um uh, mm-hmm. give you in your cup, a small cup, so get your first taste. Obviously, it is pretty strong at the time and you're not used to drinking when you start drinking in it. Right. So it is it is some people have good experience, bad experience with it. Obviously,
0: <laughs> some <laughs> and, people spit it, it out. All, it's <laughs> they, like
2: every alcohol. Yeah, you know, when you're when you start getting into consumption of alcohol,
1: and I wanted I wanted to start with Providence, but I feel like we're kind of on Claire End now. So I want to I, mm-hmm. I kind of want to stay with that because um, it sounds like that was sort of you know what one of the first ways that you collaborated with Flamesson and and, and Velier. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So so how did you go from that to then getting involved with the whole spirit of Haiti brand, which for the benefit of our listeners, if you've seen, uh, you know, like the Clarence Saju's um Claire and Vaval those releases like that's that's what we're talking about when we say Spirit of Haiti mm-hmm. those those releases uh from mm-hmm. from Vellier and that that you are you know a part of getting that brand out mm-hmm. to the world like when did that concept kind of come together and how what all parts do you play in getting that out to the world?
2: So at the beginning when um got discovered Vellier she obviously took some simple and left with and uh, went to Italy to have other people discover what was okay. clear and have different opinions. And then once the feedback was so positive and then uh, that's where it kind of we all knew it would happen but it kind of ge- gave like a, a seal of approval you know hmm. having other people try it that uh, maybe on, weren't aware of what was clear and Luca was very well educated in the wrong Sector, so he knows a lot about. You know, he didn't know about Claire as a like a personal, but he heard about it. So he it wasn't the first time he heard about it because that was the first thing he asked us when he got here. What is Claire? You know, mm-hmm. can I try it? Where to kind of find? Right, so, right, right. Because he was so curious about it. Um, and then we decided to mm. because since it's a pro- it's a it's a beautiful project, I think um, the way it's made because. If you see the Clean Arjus, they are all the producers of those products. Yeah, right. So, so the idea was to create a company. We didn't want to bring it under Berlin because it didn't it didn't sit right. So mm. we created a, a a a company called the Spread of Eighty that will handle this project. Obviously, Spread of Eighty is based in our facility, so we do all the logistics, we okay. bring in mm-hmm. all the in-house, we do the packaging and we do the export at different, uh, wherever we need to, to, to ship it, you know? So we do the, the legwork I would say yeah, uh, to make it happen, you know, once it gets obviously to the States or and Europe, now that means I, mean, I care of it and okay. for the distribution part. So that was the idea to create a company where we would centralize everything under that company for those projects. And that's why when we did Robbydance also, it was a totally different company because mm. we didn't want to associate with Spirit of That was a unique project. Um, so Spirit of AD is really developing clear air and eventually having other people and with that, I would say, project, you know, because their idea is to not only stay with five, they're about to grow as well to give a fast is it's, it's a way of giving a fast form. Right, huh. a good to be able to showcase it around the world so that's the that's the idea behind spirit of fading
0: yeah and one of the things I love personally is being able to try all the different local you know distillers the sajus the vaval the Casimir yeah. I think I have every one of them just I love uh, all, they're all Clara and right, but they're all yeah. different in their own ways. And it's so fun to, to kind of pull out all these differences uh, based on a little bit of the, the local terroir and other things.
2: So that's why it's a beautiful project because it's sometimes you have a lot of products and they're all pretty much similar. Mm-hmm. But there you really can differentiate each of them mm-hmm. based on the sugar cane that they use, based on the terroir. I think the tewar is very important. Uh, yeah. I know it's something that Luka kind of fights a lot for, um, because we experience it also, having the same chain in different, different places. And you, you can tell the, the difference um, between the Tewaar. Not only in the Tewaar, the steel also is very unique. Every steel is unique mm-hmm. and will give you a mm-hmm. different product as well. So I think each product is unique and that's why we want it too. Because it would have been easier to have one brand of clear air and then push it. Mm -hmm. but the idea was to showcase and make, have people understand that the, the, the work that goes behind every Mm -hmm. single one of those products and how unique they are also. And that's why the idea was to keep them separate, to, to, to showcase that those different characteristics that each of those products bring to the table.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a model that you've seen some some brands do really well with mezcal for example, <laughs> like highlighting individual mezcaleros and and everything yeah. and but being under a uh, a brand but you know each release being different and being able to showcase <laughs> a, an individual producer. Um what were the what were the first conversations like, you know, when you went up to a uh, Michel Sajus or, or any of the other producers and we're like, hey, here's what we want to do. Like, we know this is something you've probably never done before. Like, what was what, what were those initial conversations like? How did that go? I mean, the
2: initial conversations were, I mean, Haitians are very, uh, they doubt a lot, you know, because obviously you have a lot of people with the condition of being, you have a lot of people promising things, you know? Mm. So when you have a group of people uh, coming and saying that we want to, we, because at the, from the beginning, we were very open about the project. Elika was very open with it to be very clear. They didn't want to, to hide what would be the project. So the project is having your product and uh, a brand that's your name. Mm-hmm. So initially when the, we, we spoke to them about it, they were... They seem interested, obviously, but they were obviously doubtful. Maybe a little guarded, maybe a little skeptical, guarded, yeah, skeptical initially. And then when we started buying from them and showcasing the product, and they realized the product became a reality, Hmm. I think that's where everyone kind of say, "Okay, this is uh, a tree, a true project, a true opportunity for them to, to showcase what they can do." So.
1: Were any of the producers uh that you ended up going with first, did you have did you or your family, you know, have any connection or relationship with any of them prior to this? Or did you just kind of like find out about them through the process of like, hey, let's go no. find some really great in
2: No, we we no we work with our own the site initially before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, for the producer that we under the project of Sweet of it was um they were new to us. We didn't, we didn't work with them. We didn't, I don't know my father, but personally, I, myself, I didn't know about them. So it was all new to us. Um, so Lika, I think met, uh, for, for example, uh, Sajus, she went the, it was a pure hazard. When she went to Ilavash, so they have a resort then it's Sajus' brother has a, a small hotel okay. in there with, on the island. And the I was asking them, obviously, at the bar. They had Clay, they know about Clay. Like, yeah, I'll give you a show you Clay. And this how he discovered hmm. Sargeus, for example. It's his brother. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, <laughs> and then there was someone that was at the hotel close by to the hotel he met. And she said, Oh, you're interested I have uh, my uncle. Cool. Uh, that I know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it started, you know? Yeah. Then, Six uh, degrees of Clarence. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only one we knew, we, yeah, I would say, uh, out of the five would be Sosa that we knew okay. uh, before because it's closer also to Port-au-Prince. But yeah, the others were, were all new to us. But it's so many producers. I mean, uh, it's incredible.
1: Now that you've kind of started doing it and people are able to see, you know, what the finished product looks like and see it reaching all these other places, do you have any local producers coming to you being like, hey, we're yeah. making really good cl- yeah. Clarin too, you know? Yeah. Let's, Let me get let's next. Exactly. Yeah. Like, how do we make this happen? Do you do you see a lot of that?
2: We do get, um, obviously we want to, when we work with the producers, we want to to find something unique, obviously. I mean, we don't mm-hmm. want another Sajus, we don't want another Baval. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future it, it can happen, but for now, we want to have, since we don't have that many, we want to have people that can present us something that is different, you know? Yeah. yeah. Whether the sugar cane, it's either the mm-hmm. there has to be something a bit different. I uh, see. Because if you go, let's say, in Saint there's so many in Saint so. I'm not saying that it would taste like salad but there's Mm. a lot of similarities and the chain that maybe they would be using or type of steels or the tewa also. So, yes, we do have people coming to us and we are trying to work with them also and we want to (laughs) participate. But obviously, we are being careful also how we introduce, you know, because introducing too many producers at once mm-hmm. they have to be careful how because it takes a lot of work to, to, right, be, right. to put a, a product out you know if, if you throw out so, like 20
1: different producers at once everyone's exactly. gonna get so, kind of lost it, in the shuffle it, right some
2: of some them are gonna get lost like the you won't get the result that you're looking for yeah. so you have to give each of them enough attention so allow them to have the success that they deserve.
0: Yeah. You have 20 different favorites out there. Uh, yeah. All four of the, uh, or five, I think now, of the ones that I have, uh, have yeah. different people who like them and, and say, oh, I'm, my favorite is the Sajus, or my favorite is the Vaval. Yeah. Uh, Everyone I've has heard a different it. team. Yeah. Exactly. So if you do that with 20, yeah. you're probably gonna have 20 different favorites. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so how did you go from, okay, you guys, you get Spirit of Haiti going, you're doing some cool stuff there. And then you decide to start a distillery together, which is, you know, another huge step. It's not, you know, the same as just yeah. starting, you're, you're, you're starting another company, but it's also now you're going to make rum now, uh, which is a huge undertaking uh, in itself. So how did those conversations start? And yeah, I'd just love to hear like how it all came together.
2: Well, for the for the distillery itself, it's something that um, we, myself and my father, we started discussing about it a, a long time, even okay. before uh, Luca, but it was something, always something, something happening, something pushing it back mm. and also deciding which direction to go. Mm. You know, what type of steel, what type of yeah. raw material we'll be using, Are we using sugar cane, Are we using uh, syrup. Because what's happening also in Port-au-Prince, it's becoming more and more difficult to to cultivate sugarcane because you have a lot more people coming to Puerto prince So the areas where you used to have some work, you had the plains, mm. or it's, you have a lot more urban areas, people mm. living in those lands. So it makes it a bit difficult to, to, to work with the sugarcane at yeah. port prince And I think that was one other thing also that kind of slowed us down uh, in deciding had to go about this project because for me personally, I knew that if we wanted to do uh, 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 be a new project, it would have to be outside of Photofronts. Hmm. I was deciding where, you know, so that was a challenging part. Hmm. So with working with all these different uh, producers, we were obviously going in and out, outside of Photofronts very often. And when we spoke about our interest to got to to have a discovery, he was very excited, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, we believe that, and if you look at all the projects that we do, all the recent projects, we like to collaborate with other people. We realize that uh, in life, doing something by yourself is not always the best. Yeah. So we are very open and want to, we want to collaborate, either if it's for distribution, if it's for material. It's not really the money, but we want someone that can bring something extra to the table and I can right. benefit that we can benefit, uh, their experience or whatever mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. can bring as, uh, it can be the yeah. material, it can be distribution, it can be the experience. So that's how we started talking to, mm-hmm. to Luca about doing a potential partnership and why wouldn't we do uh, this project together? Mm-hmm. So he felt very excited and, uh, now it was okay. We want to do this project. What now? Let's talk about the what? project. Yeah. <laughs> let's figure out what we want to do. You know, uh-huh. that was the that was like, OK, that's the challenging part. So this project was about creating the best romance we can as possible. So not really looking into the cost of doing the, the finished product. So mm-hmm. either and the raw material, the steel that we will be using. So we wanted to use the best equipment. The best raw material possible and this is how we went about using um the mutter pot steel because mm-hmm. i think for me personally i tried and i work with different ones and for me it's uh, very unique steel and the quality that you get out of that steel is it's pretty amazing uh, and i think for me it's one of the best in the world so the raw material was trying to find the best sugar and obviously for us um and one of the best sugar cane that we we notice that uh, that is accessible in Haiti is the crystalline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very small sugar cane. It concentrates a lot of the sugar. So it's very high and breaks
1: mm-hmm.
2: compared to to other ones. So it, don't, right. it doesn't have space to absorb war, enough, a lot of water. So, but I think people tend to mm. neglect that sugar cane because a lot of the distribution or the, the distilleries in Haiti are very artisanal and they don't use sophisticated equipment to, to know, okay, are we measuring bricks? Or are we measuring volume? Mm. So they, I think they based themselves more on the volume mm-hmm. that they would get out of the, the sugar cane versus okay. what the potential of the sugar cane, mm-hmm. yeah. the density of the sugar. Because yeah. at huh. the end of the day, making rum is, it's not the liquid, it's the sugar inside the liquid, the juice that is important. So yeah, we might have the same amount of juice. But if I have a uh, higher bricks, they have a bricks of uh, 14, which you have a crystalline versus another chain that is uh, around eight, nine, obviously, uh, you have a, a higher yeah. yield also. So I've, at the base it's a very sweet, um, mm-hmm. cane. It has a lot of sugar. And since it's unique, people weren't uh, using it much so we felt that it was the right chain to develop and, and and use for for providence
0: and did you hit the ground running with that or did you do any experimentation with any other varietals that are that are local or it was just kind of like for those reasons you knew this is what you're going for and it's full steam ahead
2: even before doing this street straight uh with luca burley in itself worked with Different people, so and that's why it was easy for us to, to include a project like uh, Street up 80 to Berlin. You know, because we work with a lot, so su- we have different suppliers. For for mm-hmm. we work with different type of producers, so we had this connection already with different distilleries, with different sugar type of sugar cane. So it wasn't new for us. It was, I mean, we knew what was good, what was. The best sugarcane out there so tested so many even if you look at the clearing projects you have different type of sugarcane so that already gives you an idea of what you can get out of uh, a sugarcane or a variety of sugarcane so uh, yes we did we did practically do specific tests for that but with i think with experience and with what we had right available <laughs> to us it wasn't too hard to decide okay mm-hmm. let's go with the with the crystalline now, the ch- more challenging part wasn't choosing the sugar cane, but it was figure out how we would bring that cane from Saint-Michel to Port-au-Prince. Right, right. So we're about four to five hours away uh, on okay. a regular no-traffic type of day. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so the idea was, how are we going to to bring that, that cane to Port-au-Prince?
1: Right, because right. Um, if you crush it where it's grown, then it's that's too far probably too so, far yeah to we, we it tried
2: far. it i mean it i mean if you have good roads obviously you have bad roads to before getting to most of the let's say for within four hours you have half, more than half are using bad roads to get to port-au-prince mm-hmm. so but if you have good roads it will be something i think possible because yeah um, especially if you have because if you have, a, let's say, tank that is a certain temperature, you can conserve juice for a certain amount of days, even, mm-hmm. you know, but obviously the road doesn't allow you to have so sophisticated trucks like that to, to carry the juice. So we did some tests and we did try to bring the juice to Port-au-Prince. Mm-hmm. It didn't, we had some that didn't ferment. We had some that fermented right before arriving. I just started fermenting. Mm-hmm. It's so it to was control an all because, the variables. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We had to time it perfectly, you know, right work at night. So to leave early in the morning or even during the night, where it's cool also not too far, and also to avoid any traffic yeah. possible. Mm-hmm. And then if, if someone so, gets a
1: flat tire or something like that, then that's, you yeah. know, that could spoil a exactly. whole batch. Exactly. Of course,
0: you, you could name that release flat tire. And, yeah, see what happens. It's just a you limit. Know, it's a limited, it's a limited yeah. release. Yeah, <laughs> special.
2: So the idea of doing syrup was also on the table because it, it's the it's one of the easiest method of transporting conserving. serving. Yeah, uh, the preserves it. Preserving. exactly. So we thought about doing the syrup, and so we initially we said, okay, let's let's do both. Let's try both. And then based on how it goes, we'll, we'll decide how yeah. we how will continue. So we had it planned. We had the, the meal, the, ordered, we did, uh, locally, the metal metal pots. I mean, this big, uh, I don't know how you call it in English. Like, a a, uh, to, uh, to
1: boil the juice.
2: To boil the juice. Yeah. yeah
1: maybe like a kettle sort of.
2: Yeah, more like but huge that, uh, yeah. encrusted in mm-hmm. the ground. Uh huh. So, so we do our own syrup. Which, because we're working at the syrup that were, that were available, what we don't like about it is the, the standardization of the syrup, uh, the quality okay. sometimes you had, good quality sometimes you had a not so good quality, uh, the cleanliness of the syrup also. So we decided to do the syrup ourselves. So, with that, it made it easier for us to obviously to have a more standard product uh, and to work on a more constant basis. But we did both. And we realized, okay, the juice, um, we can do it, but in very small quantity. Mm-hmm. But the goal will be to go toward the syrup. And the syrup was not only to facilitate, but I think in general, I think it was something that we kind of were leaning toward because if you look at what's available around the world, you don't have a lot of rum that is syrup based. Yeah, for sure. But a melass or juice. Right. So obviously it's, it's a more expensive product because it goes to another level yeah. of, of production. Another step that you don't have if you have only like the juice. The molasses, it, it still goes to, it has to go to the process of making sugar. Crystallization, natural, yeah. Whatever, yeah. exactly. So, so it's not like you do it on purpose to obtain the melasses. Right. Something that you get anyways, you will get anyways after obtaining the sugar. So it is a more expensive product, but we felt that taste-wise, even in Haiti, you have people doing syrup-based clear because right. it's not because it's convenient. Yes, it might be convenient, but because the pre right. I know people that have access, they have their sugar cane next to them, they have their meal next to them, do uh-huh. the still, but they go to the route of doing the syrup still. Because their clientele prefers a syrup-based rum, juice syrup based Ca- rum than choose rum.
1: Casimir is, is Cheer- syrup, right?
2: No, not Casimir. You have uh, Le Rocher and you have a. Le Rocher. That's the one. Yeah. So Sanson. Okay.
1: Those, yeah, I got them mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. On, on that note, I think one thing that a lot of times, you know, when we talk to, rum enthusiasts, they get a little confused at first about what is and what isn't Claren in, in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And the Providence rums are not labeled as Claren. So what mm-hmm. was kind of the thought process behind that? And like, do you see this rum as a Claren or do you see it as something distinctly different? And what to you are, are the differences?
2: But well, we did like a little, we, we had to try to put something on paper also for art. Okay, to decide, okay, what is clean, what is not clear. Because you have you have different types of cleaning. You have the artisanal Claire, and you have some that are more, they call themselves cleaning, but they are more industrial type of cleaning. And it's because it was an evolution at the time. Maybe at the time when they started, they were at the same level and they grew. So for me, and when you try the products, I mean, it's clearly very different. Um so I would call them more I'd call rum than clear. For me the clear line, the between clear and rum is from the the start is I mean obviously both can use the sugar the same sugar cane, but mm-hmm. it's really the fermentation. Okay. The fermentation of clear tends to be longer because they try to do it uh, natural. It was always you're always custom to do it that way. So it's a bit longer than rum, which is a much shorter uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, This is spontaneous,
1: uh, that, wild yeast, not introducing exactly. commercial yeast and that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So the the ramen it, it has
2: this commercial yeast. You know, you have this twenty-four to forty-eight hour fermentation, whereas the I mean, can go up to five days, then the least, the but can go off, all the way up to 10, 12 days. Also, yeah. yeah. This is really the the base, mm-hmm. at the night, uh With the difference, and then you have the other aspect also. Transportation, you know, you have a lot of the rum comp- companion AD and they carry, and it's uh, everything's cut by hand, it's true. Mm-hmm. But when you carry, you have those big trailers carrying cane. Mm-hmm. That's most clearly you find it on donkeys or bulls carrying the mm-hmm. cane. So you have okay. this more human aspect to it, you know, okay, more natural because you don't think about it, but the importance of using it. Maybe it it was done because that's what was accessible at the time, even Mm. for wine. If you think about it, if you take natural wines, the reason why they take their grapes by hand and they have maybe horses pulling them, is to not contaminate their grapes with the fumes of the tractors. So it's not only, it's not a question of efficiency, it's a question of giving you the the product as its state possible, Gotta, you know, it's like it's um, most
0: raw possible state and less least amount of industrial as possible.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's where I would see the difference between the two. Uh, if you, if, if you go anywhere, I mean, uh, donkeys also are not only used for contributing clear, but having carrying the chain, but it's used to go to the market because a lot of the places are very far inside the country, you know, you have access to guy station, even if you gave them a car or a tractor to, to, to work with, mm. they might not have access to, you know, have the technical assistance or the fuel to, to replenish themselves whenever they needed to. Bulls, uh, donkeys are used a lot for commerce also, so they sell fruits, they go to the market, they have like the central markets where they go and they exchange and sell uh, their product that they cultivate. So it's a big part of their culture people that are into the the rum cultivation also, that working in the rum industry and in the plantations, they have their own farms also. Mm-hmm. So back home, they might have tomatoes, they have carrots that they'll be selling on the weekends to, to the market, sometimes during the week also. So beside the, the transportation and the, the raw material fermentation part, you have also the steel, the type of steel. Yeah. yeah. The, the steel that you tend to see in clear air or more artisanal, a lot of direct fire steels, uh-huh. and a lot of copper, mostly the, the traditional. Maybe you find newer ones that are built recently that are with stainless, but traditionally it was made with copper. And copper has a, a very big importance also in the quality of the product that you get right. at the end. You might not see it or taste it. But when you have it analyzed, there's a huge difference. Hmm.
0: So you, uh, you named the, the first release uh, appropriately, first drops. <laughs> and then you followed that up with the second unaged rum release as well, which was called Dunder and Syrup. So I was wondering, how, how did the idea for, for Dunder and Syrup come about? And can you walk us through a little bit of the production differences between those two?
2: So the the first drop was we did some different experimentation at the beginning and then deciding where we would go. So it was unique in a way that it was very difficult to replicate because it's a different style of distillation that we did first first at the beginning with when we we're trying to distill. So mm-hmm. we have uh, a bit of pure juice rum, and also mainly, uh, but the majority is uh, syrup for the first drop. So we always kept different samples of all the products that we did also for Yeah, The little library. Too. Exactly. Yeah. We have people, bartenders coming in that we had them. Um, because with the Claire, we did the Claire Championship. I don't know if you're aware of it. We did it for four or five years, the Claire oh, nice. World Championship. But huh. so we have bartenders coming from different places in the world, uh, about eight or nine uh bartenders every well I didn't, it was supposed to be every year but right uh, it yeah. was happening stuff, yeah. right, in you have to stop right COVID as did, well.
0: Did this include your brother?
2: Yes he participated not in all uh, of them but uh, he participated in uh, uh some of them yes.
1: No no um, no special no special treatment no, no, and right. still right. still <laughs> fair, fair <laughs> <judging>. No conflict <laughs> <reflective> of interest.
2: <laughs> no special treatment. Um <laughs> so with that it, it, we had a, a good you know I mean you had people that were in the industry that knew what they were looking for. Right. So we had them try different type of distillation that we had uh, done in the past. And we it the syrup, the pure juice, the mix, and a lot of them were leaning toward the, the syrup also. because oh, Interesting. if you try like a pure syrup rum versus a pure juice rum, you will notice that there's a lot more aromas in the mouth for the syrup because the concert, the taste the everything is concentrated in the face mm. whereas in the pure juice it's more in the nose that you get most of the aromas it's a bit more it's less present in the taste than in the nose for pure juice versus the syrup mm. so for something that's doing uh cocktails uh, it's very interest, interesting to it's more they're more leaning toward the syrup, obviously, because it gives them a better impact on their cocktail. Mm. So that's one of the reasons we decided to go also with the syrup. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said, rum is, you have yeast to, to help you, although we tried to have the most natural yeast possible to, to do our rum, but we wanted, personally, I wanted to get to a point where we didn't have to use yeast, so and that's where came the idea of the dunder there because Uh, thunder adding to a new fermentation, it allows you to ferment without having to to add any yeast. Obviously it gives you a longer fermentation. It's not a quick fermentation, but like I said, we wanted to do the best rum, not the quickest one in the rum industry. (laughs) So so we went about testing it and we felt that the result, I wasn't sure at the beginning, I sent a few simple uh, different faces, And the feedback was very positive. And then we decided to go with that route.
0: So, and I have a question on the Dunder and Syrup one. This is probably a silly question, just about the name. Mm. So Dunder is also referred to as Vanasse, right? By by French speakers and some other rum producers. Right. What what was the thought process and why did you end up going with Dunder and Syrup versus Vanasse as part of the name? I think we use
2: Dunder because Dunder is most mostly used. I mean, you have the countries that use, I mean, we, there are some districts that use uh, the Dunder and their cleaner, Mm -hmm. there's not that many of them, but it's not very well known, obviously, but uh, you have countries like Jamaica, which is English-speaking. Yeah, I think it's more, when you say Dunder, I think it's easier for people to understand Right. if if we had said Vinas. So I think that was... Mostly, the reason gone with the English word versus the French.
0: Gotcha. So it was really just about how do you get people to understand what's in the bottle, you know, where it's where it's being sold. Okay. Uh, and can you tell yeah. us like how much vinasse did you use for that that release uh, or dunder? And uh, like, did you experiment with it? Did you find the right amount, or it was just kind of like you your experience told you this is what to do and go.
2: Now we tried different percentages. We wanted something that would work. The idea of the vinasse. Obviously, we knew it would attack the taste, mm-hmm. but adding done there too, anything you add to your fermentation will, will come out at the end product. Some people put like uh, natural plants or mm-hmm. spices, fruit sometimes, mm-hmm. and that reflects on the unfinished product. So we knew it would give us a different character than the, the, the traditional syrup that we used to make initially, uh, that we used for the first drop. But the idea was mostly to sow. Well, this fermentation issue. That's what that was my biggest uh, objective was to have a natural fermentation. So, when we did some different tests to see, okay, is it 50%? Is it 40%? 20%? Because we don't want it to be over. And we're not trying to compete with Jamaican moms. We want to have mm-hmm. our identity also. We want too much so we of We something. Of we don't bomb. want too much of it. Because I think too much is, is nice, but I think it's for the long run, I think some people might be tired of somebody that's too overpowering. I think mm. it's not; it is appropriate for certain uh, certain times, but I think um, having it more subtle, I think it makes it a more it's a more versatile product to use. You know? Sure. Yeah. So we use about 20, 20 to forty five percent on our mix.
1: And are you are you still using a little bit of juice? Or dunder and syrup as well or is it all syrup it's all syrup so that's that's another another ma- primary difference between this and first drops
2: exactly yeah. so initially i mean the the goal is it is to produce also pure juice uh in the future okay and what we did we put a steel there we have a second steel that we installed during COVID, actually oh, okay and so it does the first distillation for us ah. so by having the, first, we resolve the problem of carrying the, right, the, the right, juice. Right, right, exactly. Because so we do the first distillation, yeah. exactly, because the first distillation you can, it's, it's basically a ROM, but at a very low ABV, but it can stay for, I don't know, many years if you want. I mean, mm-hmm. however long you want. It's, it's basically a ROM, it's not a, a, a well-finished ROM. So we bring it to Port-au-Prince and we do the final distillation in port prince
1: Ah, yeah, that's really interesting. And, that does, that opens yeah. up some more some more options for you if you can do the dis- first exactly. distillation right there by the cane.
2: Exactly, and that brought us to the idea of opening that up to other places also and to be able to experiment different cane at their location, not ah. bring it to a place and having different still eventually in the future uh, to replicate what we're doing in St. Michel and other places. So, yeah, we have some ideas, but obviously that you guys know once <laughs> it's more Got, Yeah, advanced.
1: <laughs> Got to hold <laughs> a little bit back. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I did, you know, you talked to, we've talked about some experimentation you've done. And one thing that jumped out at me on the Providence website was just uh, describing the distillery as a, quote, laboratory of experimentation. So, other than what we've already covered, are there any other interesting exper- experiments you've done so far that, that stand out in, in memory?
2: Well, we did uh, an experiment that was pretty cool. There's, um, we have a, a small column also, mm-hmm. eight plates, but we have, Access to opening and closing each right. other of those plates. So, we did experiment also doing one distillation, doing two distillation, okay. and the second distillation, doing with different plates opening, right? Opening, and close. So, that only gives you an idea where you can go with the product by distilling it uh, differently. For example, you find in the aging process, we're studying aging also, we yeah, have over 200 barrel aging right now uh-huh. so and those barrels also you'll find some a lot of difference but not a lot of different cast but different base of the juice right so, so it's not i it's mean not all a the juice same, but the yeah the, the, the finished product right yeah uh-huh. so there you find a lot of difference but we did something a couple of weeks ago where we we distilled the first distillation in haiti and it's a michelle and we brought that project to another country, I won't say too much about it, and then it was distilled at another distillery, also mm. outside of the country. Oh wow! So, and we did this with the same first distillation. We did home also, and we were able to compare the two, and that shows you the uniqueness of not only the fermentation, the the cane, but also the person distilling. The right. product where you have your final touch because it was the same product that, worked, that was distilled once, mm-hmm. and then we did the distillation um, separately. One, the second distillation we did it at our place in Haiti. And we did another batch, the same first first distillation somewhere else, uh-huh. and when we compare, you could see the difference between the two. You know, right so, and so really the cool only to, different to, variables to is,
1: is where that second distillation took place this right that
2: took place. Exactly. that's really cool yeah so one thing it taught me also is the importance of the size of the still; it has a big impact on mm. the finished product
1: so it, it sounds then like rum enthusiasts out there have some aged providence to look forward to in the future
2: actually we we will have products, I don't know when it will come, out. we'll have a small quantity this year. Okay. Um, which we had a tasting. Um, which we exposed at the whiskey live. Oh, in nice! Paris. Yeah, oh, cool.
1: Everyone over there in Europe is Cup getting to out. experience all the cool stuff before us here in the states. <laughs> They're like, we're so oh, behind. I, guess, uh. I, keep, I keep seeing all this cool stuff
0: from Whiskey Live. <laughs>
1: But Herbert, Very you're in Miami, good.
0: so maybe I can come by and get a swing. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have. Oh, any with you, but oh, next
2: time I come, up, Next time, <laughs> bring bring something that we
0: can we okay. can taste. I'm going to hold um, you to that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there was a, another quote from you, a, a different interview that stood out to me, where you said that you said, "quote I hope to be able to change." The perception of haiti through our products by showcasing all the beauty that lies in the haitian story so i wanted to ask just like what in your opinion is the general perception of haiti and and what do you think that that perception gets wrong about it
2: i mean it's very difficult to explain and me being for example with what's happening in haiti right now i'm in florida yeah and observing what's happening obviously i have my own experience and i've been through or to very difficult moments, um, in Haiti. So I know how mm-hmm. I, I led them already. So I can, I, I know, but being here, I can understand somebody that's not living in Haiti or has been back to Haiti and have a certain perception based on what they see on TV. Yeah. Obviously when you see on TV, it's what sells, um, it's obviously not the most interesting part of Haiti and what, and Haiti, unfortunately has been an for good reasons, um, but you only see part of Haiti, you know? Right. Although you have all those difficult uh, situations, but there's beautiful places that you can go outside of Haiti. What's happening is in Port-au-Prince mainly, yes, you might have one or two cities outside that is impacted or that where, where this energy is being transferred, but in general, it's not. Haiti, you know, friends mm. of that Haiti. So this is where a lot of people get misinformed.
0: Right.
1: So they, they, the, they the, equate the sort of what's Haiti. happening in one area with, with the whole with the whole, whole country. country. Yeah.
2: Exactly. I guarantee you today if I go to Jacques Mel, but what's happening right at, actually this past couple of weeks is impacting every region because we don't have all the ports are closed, there's no fuel. So obviously you'll find this impacting, but you won't have you won't have all the other issues, all the manifestation, all the protests, all the violence that you see on TV. You don't see it outside of prints, Maybe in one or two cities, other big cities outside of prints, yes, but not throughout the country. So it, I have so many places that we, that I know that I could go today and be very relaxed, very chill, and not even be aware of what's happening in yeah. Fortaleza. Yeah, you know, so. So for me, it's a shame. I mean, it is what it is, but, um, I think City has so much to offer when you compare to other islands mm. and even when we compare to the Dominican Republic, because I know the Dominican Republic, well, and we were at a very young age, mm-hmm. doing the embargo, we still mm. go often there because can couldn't find anything in Haiti. So you had to go there to, to access a lot of things. So I saw the evolution of the DR, Mm -hmm. and at one point, the Haiti I would say, was even ahead of the DR. Mm. Infrastructures or lifestyle. So they did something that not in the sense of what they're offering as a product, because I think we can offer a better product than them, but at least what they have, they can be proud of, or they have good lifestyle, you know, and they're they're at ease. with what they have and how they are living. Whereas in Haiti, I think Haiti has a, the, the, the soil of Haiti is such, so rich. If you compare a mango and Haiti, they go to the DR, it has nothing to do with each other. A banana yeah. has nothing to wow. do pineapple. I mean, they even try to, to replicate some of the mangoes that we have, but it's impossible for them to do so. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I'm not worried about, about that because I know that Haiti has so much to offer. If if you look at even at the artistic sense, also we have a lot of great painters and uh, great artists, singers. Mm-hmm. Asian food. I remember going to when I used to go often to Asian food. For me, it's if you go anywhere, you go in the street, eat well. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember going to the. Yeah, maybe it changed now, but when I was younger. Yeah, most of the paintings you saw that was being sold were Haitian paintings, oh, you know, really? Haitian arts, and the do so. stuff. But we have that that we can offer. But all those circumstances that we're living uh, is preventing the world to notice them and to enjoy and appreciate. You know, Claire yeah. is one of them, and that's mm-hmm. why I was happy to be part of a project like that because. Although you can say a lot of negative things about Haiti, but at least we can say that we have some good rubs, you know?
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sure. That's the soundbite so, that's I coming guess. out of <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, um,
1: no, I was just going to say, and I, I think like in, in just the way those Spirit of Haiti releases showcase local art as well, like that's been kind of a cool way for other uh, cultures to experience that, you know, kind of slice of yes. of Haitian culture and Haitian art as well. Yeah. So it's it's just really exciting to see something that was you know mostly unknown to people outside mm. of the world of uh, of rum, like yeah. being brought yeah. to everyone yeah. else. Um, that was actually like one more question I wanted to ask is just how much of an association is there in Haiti with like. If you talk to a rum enthusiast now um, and you mention Clarin, they're like, oh, that's a type of rum. Um, like, Is mm-hmm. there any of that connection? Like if, if, if you went to a Claren producer before Spirit of Haiti happened, would they think of themselves as, as making rum or would they think of that as something you know completely separate?
2: I think even before, people doing Clarenne will always tell you they're making Clarenne. So mm-hmm. where you might have maybe a different answer would be on those that are producing at a more industrial level. Some might okay. tell you they're doing clear, some might tell you they're doing wrong. Okay. Maybe today everyone is will tell you they're doing clear. Uh-huh. Because clarinet is becoming very popular. And it's more out there. You know. So if you look at it, there's not that many wrong out there besides Bobaku mm-hmm. I mean, right. uh, and that are being sold outside of of the country. Now you have Providence is a your project but the ma- and the majority of the people will tell you yes they're doing clay that's how they have been calling it for many yeah. many years
1: yeah
2: you know but the only difference is that right now we tend to have more people interested in clay than okay. before so yeah. you even have people that had their grandfather that may used to have a just a that was shut down mm-hmm. and they're interested in reopening it you know yeah there you because go because they want to be part of this project, or maybe they want to work with somebody else, um, mm-hmm. and exporting cleaner. So it is depending. an eye opening. And I spoke to, to some other people that are, cause you have one or two brands that are coming from Haiti that are being sold in the U S or mm-hmm. a, in Europe. And even then they'll tell you that we pay the road for them, obviously. And, yeah. I mean that's what we're looking also. We're not looking to be the only one selling today right. or the only one selling rum, Because for me, like I said, when you refer to what I've said at a previous interview, is that it's like showcasing these these products. Uh, the more we can showcase that Haiti can mm-hmm. can do and produce, the better it is uh, for the global image of Haiti. Yeah. So and that's why Speed Up Haiti, as you said, is not only, yeah, the main product is clear, but we want to showcase art, music, eventually, oh, cool. yeah. uh, yeah. even food also.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. Because we 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 did some some tests with the food also. For example, in did uh, they have some fried um, plantains, mm-hmm. like they sell like chips. Yeah, and we did some shipments to Europe. With everything that's happening, kind of putting all these projects on hold. But the idea is not only to do ROM, but also to see what else can we showcase. For example, Mm -hmm. Mm rapadu, we started showcasing that also a bit, uh, not as like we wanted. Mm -hmm. But uh, Gapadu is uh, is a type of sugar that you get when you get to the process of making syrup. So if you continue cooking the syrup. You can obtain, or well you have to kick a, a different way also, but to obtain, uh, what you call a rapadu, do, which is this big round shield, which they wrap into banana leaves. Huh. So it becomes uh, a round, big round stick couple of kilos of weight, and it is a natural sugar. So basically you don't extract anything. It's not like, it's not a brown sugar.
1: Right, right, right.
2: It's, it's pure, it's nothing extracted. So it's very tasteful, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's not as sweet for some reason. You know, it's, although you didn't extract any other sugar, I'm going to fact that it has all the other components right. in it. Mm-hmm. Let me see if, you, if I'm extracting the sugar on me, it's going to be sweeter than if it has the other components that wasn't extracted. It so, kind of it um, reminds
1: me almost of like um, like something like piloncillo in Mexico or something like that, you know, which is kind of a, a more raw form of sugar that um, exactly. is found like big cones sort of over there. Exactly. Mm. Yeah.
2: Exactly. So it's not very sweet, but it's it, it does the job. And a lot of the people at Haiti have of for That's how they they sweeten their products. They To do yeah. their juice or the coffee. That's what they use for that.
1: That's that's really cool. Yeah. Well, I can't I can't wait to see you know what all comes next. Um. And one more thing, I have to ask because I think people will be curious. Obviously, they heard when we introduced you having Bourboncore in your name, like your lineage goes back. You know, with the Bourboncore family. Obviously, there's the Bourboncore uh, distillery, which is separate yeah. from what you're doing. You know, we've uh, had Delphine Gardere on the show and and interviewed her. Um, are are there ever any collaborations between you and and the Barbancourt distillery or anything that might happen in the future?
2: Well, I mean, like I said, we are open to work with, I mean, it's to to give you, I don't know if you know the story, but just to recap a bit for your audience. Yeah, please. Um, it was basically two brothers that separated in the 1800s and so you had one that continued with the rum industry. And the other one that continued into things, it was the same after, mm-hmm. which was L'Abbé, who was L'Abbé senior. And he had L'Abbé's son, which had a daughter called Jan Babancourt, mm-hmm. which was my grandmother, right. father's mother. Mm-hmm. So the difference is that we still, that's the only Babancourt left, basically. Mm-hmm. It's our, our lineage. So that's why we have the Vieux L'Abbé. L'Abbé is for L'Abbé Babancourt, because mm-hmm. it was two brothers. It was L'Abbé and Dupré Babancourt. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why Aurum is, we name it after him, uh, what's first name Labbé. So it's for Labbé Balancourt. And that's so, what you do through,
1: through Burling, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, Burlabe is our brand. And then we have burning also that is our, we do liquors, we do first, mm. and also all the private labels that we do is through Bernie. Yeah. We, no, but we are we're very open, you know, to work with anyways. The project is seems interesting. I think if it's if it's in our DNA, the if it's matching our the DNA of our company, you know, right, to yeah. Produce interesting products and everything that we do is with local ingredients. We have five different liquors, for example. Even the color is through the finished product, through the raw material. We hmm. don't add any additive For example, we have a liquor with hibiscus. So hibiscus is very red liquor. And it's really the flower that gives you the color, the Uh taste, everything. No red dye going in there. No red dye. So you see the book we talked about the book one earlier, it's all natural ingredients. Mm -hmm. And we have a line of five different rums, Uh, for eight rums and Mm -hmm. white rums. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, we're open to any collaboration as long as it fits our, you know, the direction that we want to go with, with our products. Yeah. We're interested in doing volume, obviously, I always want to sell. I mean, it's, I mean that's why you're working. You want to, have, you, I mean, it's not a question of selling, but it's a question of, and I realize, for example, when you're doing a, a production and you're doing five, 10,000 bottles, for example, uh, for, for a product and a special uh, selection. It hurts that you can have and then you have people asking you and then you don't have enough right. to share. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, obviously you want to produce more but you want to stick with you want to keep your identity, you know. Right. You don't want mm-hmm. to just produce to produce.
1: You don't, you don't want to compromise your, your principles. Exactly. Well, awesome. I mean, it sounds like we have a lot to look forward to um, not only with Spirit of Haiti but with Providence as well i um, really interested to see what kind of age stuff starts coming from there. But, I mean, I, th- I think it's it's really cool to see a, a new distillery starting, you know, and launching back-to-back unaged rums and just kind of showing people what's possible. Yeah. You know, you don't always need barrels to make things interesting. So, yeah. um, there's plenty going on here in this uh, glass of dunder and syrup for sure. But um with all that said, I think it is time for us to move to our final portion of the show, which is our rapid fire round of questions. So, up until this point, everything has been very put together, very serious, very easy. Um, yeah, very easy. <laughs> now it gets tough. Now, now it gets tough. Um, no, it, it doesn't really. There's no, there's no right or wrong answers here. Um, only quick answers are required. Yep. So, John, do you wanna do you wanna tell Her what uh, what 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 you've got in store for him?
0: Sure, Bear. So what we're gonna do is uh, we're going to put sixty seconds on the clock, and Will is gonna time okay. us. We're gonna try to get to as many really quick answers on these questions that I'm gonna give you. Most of them are gonna be this or that type of answers, and okay. uh, we'll, we'll we'll go from there. And you give me an answer, and I will go to the next one and see how many we can get before time yeah, is up. Sounds Sound good. like sound like a plan. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I've got. I right, will. I've got sixty seconds and go. All right. Neat or on the rocks? Neat. Column, pot, or blend? Pot. All right. Aged or unaged? I think I know the answer here. Unaged. Yeah. <laughs> Molasses, cane juice, or syrup? Syrup. Syrup. Yep, that also syrup. makes sense. Uh, <laughs> your personal favorite spirit of Haiti, Clarin? Sajus Sajus me uh, too I'm team Sajus I am ah, Will yeah. in your face Will oh, you wait, ever wait, I'm the team same Sajus team what oh, oh okay um, as we mentioned earlier the initial Providence release was called appropriately first drops and then we got the Dunder and Syrup release I've got a few ideas for future release names that I want to run by you oh, I just want to get a yes or a no okay so so a yes or a no if you would go for this alright you ready so this yeah. first one is next few drops no <laughs> okay how about this is not claren no, <laughs> no. <laughs> how about okay with this one what about this one kiss my vanasse. yes <laughs> there we go <laughs> all right, yeah, all right. right. And, and last one oops all dunder yes
1: <laughs> the all dunder hey, i got two yeses right, right. That will yeah. all that's right. not bad it's uh, a
0: 50 percent hit rate <laughs> french or creole what's your your favorite language creole uh what country not named haiti is producing amazing rum right now in your opinion Jamaica. Yeah, I agree. And finally, the category of pure single rum implies the existence of an impure single rum. Have you ever had an impure single rum in Haiti? And if so, are you willing to tell us? No, I haven't. <laughs> that's right. There you go. It's all pure. Somewhere, 100%
1: pure. That's right. That's it, time, by the way.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, somewhere else in the world, maybe, has an impure single rum, but not, yeah, Haiti. not Haiti. Of course. <laughs> not Haiti. Not Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank awesome. you,
1: Herbert. Yeah, you made it through, Herbair. um We learned that's all pretty, about. That was pretty fast. <laughs> you did good. It goes it, by fast when, when you're in the hot seat. It goes yeah. fast. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, before we go, I know we covered a lot of ground, uh, thanks, you know, for hanging out with us for, for an hour and a half here, um, anything we didn't get to anything else that you want people to keep an eye out for coming from Providence or from here, uh, spirit of Haiti or from anything else you've got going on?
2: Like I said earlier, um, well, I want to thank you again for, for inviting me to your platform. I think, uh, I had a good, a good time, uh, sharing with you guys, my experience. But besides the HROM uh, that will be coming out for the U.S. market, uh, man, uh, we're working to have Vila be available oh, cool. in the U.S. and in the near future, and also our leakers as well. Nice. So I think those are things to, to look forward to in the near future. Hopefully, I mean, with how things are going, it's very difficult to give yeah. a time frame. Right. But we're, we're working on it. So
1: well, that's all. That's all we need to hear. Um, yeah, lots yeah. of more exciting, interesting rum things coming from Haiti. Yeah, a lot of people will be happy to hear that. So, thanks again for uh, for taking the time to hang out with us, and looking forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. Hey, if you have any experiences with Providence Rum, Claren, any thoughts, questions, reactions to the interview? definitely send us an email. We always love hearing questions, comments, feedback from all of you out there in the Rum world. You can send your email to host at rumcast.com That's H-O-S-T at rumcast.com We'll also put uh, links in the show notes to the Providence website, places you can learn a little bit more about what they've got going on there. Uh, And you can also get in touch with us on social media as well. John John, where can they find us on social media?
0: Yeah, of course. We're on social media at Facebook and Instagram uh, as well as Twitter, at least for the moment, we're on Twitter. I don't know if the Twitter's having a meltdown right now, but um, are we gonna pay dollars, John? I, I don't think we're gonna pay dollars for the blue check mark. I just it doesn't feel Rumcasty to me. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, we're we still we won't on have Twitter. the check mark, but it is us. Uh, and <laughs> check, make sure there's no imposter Rumcast. That's right, out there, right. But yeah. nobody out there listening to this, do not create <laughs> a Rumcast Twitter with a blue check mark. Um, <laughs> and we're on Twitter for the moment, and uh, we're also on we're Instagram. We're at the Rumcast everywhere, at I believe. That's us, yeah. at the Rumcast. So get a hold of us there. You can always send us a message through those platforms and we'll, we'll get you. Uh, we love hearing from you. So with that, Will, uh, anything else? Or are we uh, saying thanks and signing off for this time? Oh, yeah. I would just say if
1: you want even more Rumcast, you can find us on Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash the Rumcast. We're doing bonus episodes. We're doing happy hours, kind of all kinds of extra fun stuff like that. So uh, check it out and support the show if you would like to and yeah with all that said we will be back in another week or two with a new episode so john until then all right see ya